Welcome. Here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. It's good to be still before you, God. As we come towards the end of the year, and we look at the landscape of this year, We do not define our life by 2017. Whether whether there was victory or defeat. We do not define our life by our present season, whether we are in joy or in sorrow. We do not define our life by anything that is happening to us temporally. Because the King of glory and the God who sits on the throne and who has been the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has called me righteous, and he has told me that I will be with him forever, and eternity is mine. And so if the temporal didn't go my way, eternity's already settled for me. That there is a mansion there, there is a father's house, and there are many rooms, and my name is already written on the Lamb's Book of Life. And so, Kirk Franklin sang a song, Brighter Day. And if we didn't feel this year was that brighter day, and we're hoping that next year will be that brighter day, one thing we can guarantee, there will be a brighter day. There will be a day when we will not have to worry about all the elements of today, all the weighty issues we are in. We do not have to worry about the voting in our democracy when we have a king and a theocracy, a king who sits on a throne. We don't have to worry about policies and procedures when we have streets filled with gold. We don't have to worry about sickness or death or dying when we have a new body in the new creation. God, we have you now though. And we don't have to wait towards eternity. And so we praise you now, Jesus. We enter in your presence now, God. And so during this time, God, we ask that the spirit of the living God would just fall fresh on us and we would hear a word from you and you would change us and you'd make us more like you, God. And our minds and our hearts and our bodies and our actions, our motives and our decisions would be aligned with your word. People would see you in us. And so we ask during this time, be glorified, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated may be seated. So good to come to the end of the year, 2017. I wonder how it was for you, 2017. I turned 41 this year, praise God. Praise God, praise God. Yeah, man. Uh, and, you know, we had our, um, we got a new apartment this year, praise the Lord, a bigger apartment Big ups to the bigger apartment. And uh, we got a new car this year. Yeah, so <laughs> elevation. God's elevating me. Um, praise God. Uh, so all, all these good things have happened. Um, and and there's, a, there's like this part of us that when we look at the end of the year, and you know, you get into a circle and you talk about what God taught you or what you're thinking about. There's a part of me that kind of shares that part of the resume where God was like, you know, 12 and 0 this year, every month. He was killing it for me, and he was, he was doing great. 
And then when we're honest, we realize that there was other parts of this year, other parts of this year that were weighty. For some of us physically, emotionally, financially, this year was challenging for some of you. And in that, God was stretching you in ways you have never been stretched. There were things that you found yourself dealing with you never thought you'd have to deal with this year. And there were, for many of you, a place that God was taking you that you did not, in in fact, when you looked at the end of 2016, you had a vision of what 2017 would be like. And some of you, it was popping, praise God. But for some of you, it went nothing like you thought. And you ask yourself, what are you doing? And some of the most intense messages that I have to give, some of the most intense moments that I have in counsel, some of the most intense moments when I'm talking with people are people who are dealing with the God they love, but they have unmet expectations. And they are in a season, they feel stuck, and, they, and God, though they love him, is not the God they see in the scriptures. There was a woman in the Bible in a love triangle. Her name was Hannah. Hannah, at this time, polygamy was the way of life. And so Hannah was a wife along with another wife. And this other wife, she would taunt Hannah. Elkanah, their husband, loved Hannah. And Paniah, the other woman, She was loved as well, but she was able to have kids. And at this time, having children was one of the most picturesque ways to demonstrate blessing, that God was blessing you, that God had favor on your life. Why? Because he was producing a child from your womb, particularly if you had a male. Hannah was not able to have child. Here Hannah is in the house with Elkanah, and Paniah, and Paniah is just knocking out children. And Elkanah, I mean, uh, Hannah is wondering, what about me? She is barren, unable to have children. And yet she worships God through it. Now, we have been walking through in this series, we've been walking through this picture of the Magi, but now that we've moved past Christmas, on this last message, we're going to look at several stories that deal with pouring out our hearts before God. In 1 Samuel, Hannah, it it reads, it says, deeply hurt, Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. You see where she started at? Deeply hurt. In much pain, Hannah prayed. The verse goes on to say, While she continued praying, she's at this point, she's at the temple and Eli, the priest is there and he's watching this woman pray. And it says, while she continued praying in the Lord's presence, Eli watched her mouth. Hannah was praying silently and through her lip, though her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. So this woman is just overwhelmed. And she's at the temple and she doesn't even look right. A priest thought she was drunk. That's how emotionally spent she is. She doesn't have anything left. 
Her lips are barely moving. She looks inebriated. And the scripture goes on to say in verse 15, no, my Lord, Hannah replied, I'm, I'm a woman with a broken heart. That's what it looks like when you have a broken heart. And I haven't had any wine or beer. Not drunk. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying, now watch this, I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. That's my starting point. And so I know that other people have come and they've, they've celebrated God and they've come and they've been cheering and some of the people have been coming and they've been having wave offerings, but I'm not there. Where I am, I'm coming from the depth of my anguish and my resentment. And one of the key aspects of having an honest relationship with God is not getting into a space where you overly perform for God. But in fact, you get to a space where you can be honest to God and those deep emotions that have settled at the bottom of your heart, you pour them out to God. Yeah. And the imagery of pouring out gives this indication that it must be an intentional step that I take. I.e., if I don't pour it out, it will stay in. And it will weigh me down and it will subtly define me. It is counterproductive to be overly optimistic and perform when talking to God. If you want to see real transformation in your life, create an honest space with God. This, this imagery of pouring out before this priest, this imagery of honesty, it indicates then that we must make a decision to be fully present with the inner landscape and present it before the Lord. Everything that's happening inside of us, to present all of it before our God. There is a tendency for us to be tight when coming before God. To tell God things you think he wants to hear. Like, hey, God, you look like you lost a little weight. You're looking good. You're looking good. 2017 was good to you, Jesus. And yet, if God already knows who you are, and if God already knows what you've done, what then is the point of prayer? It is not then informing him about who you are and where you are. It is allowing yourself to identify where you are before our God. One of the beauties that we notice with the Catholic um, religion is this idea of having a confessional. And where the confessional gets it right is it creates this booth where I can sit in this booth and just unveil everything going on before me and God. But the problem with the booth is that it creates this space where you can't see the priest and the priest can't see you. And so you feel more honest when you think someone doesn't see you. The gospel of Jesus Christ says, I can be honest and you've seen everything I've done. 
The gospel of Jesus Christ says, you know everything about me and you still love me. And that means I can be raw and honest with you. And you accept me, not in my sin, but you accept me as a son because of the work of Jesus Christ. Now, as we open up to our God, as we get real before God, this idea of pouring out our hearts. We, when I was um, in college, there would be trainers who would come over and uh, you would pull, you would uh, stretch your hamstrings, you would stretch your arms, and um, for certain body parts, the trainer would come and they would actually pull on your arms or push back your legs so you could stretch so that you could go farther than what you could do on your own. And this trainer, every time, would be like, come on, we got to stretch out because we don't want you to get hurt. And, we don't, and, and, and I would always ask, like, what is the point of stretching, stretching us? And, the, and they were saying there's lactic acid in your muscles. And if you get, if, when you come up against something, um, a lot of the bruising that happens, happens because you're really tight. And so we have to stretch you out because when you play, and I play football, when you play football, the last thing you want to do is be fragile, right? That's the last thing you want to do, right? But some of us emotionally are fragile. And we are afraid of being stretched. And what God is doing in your life right now is he is moving you from being emotionally fragile to being emotionally agile so that you could be more flexible. That's why this year happened. That's why those people were that way. That's why the circumstances ended up being that way. God is making you more flexible emotionally. And the way that we come upon that is not by telling God everything that he wants to hear. It is by coming to an honest space with God and being free before him identifying where you're at. This story of Hannah, I don't speak of that as someone who doesn't understand that. My wife and I for six years tried to have a baby. And I had a church at the time. And so I would be in front of this church preaching, preaching, and then Father's Day would come. And I didn't have other preachers on the roll like I do here. It was me. And I'd have to preach something about dads, like, you know, God, God is a father. And then year two, it's like, you know, my dad. And then year three, it's like, aren't dads good? And so by every year, I'm trying to make up a message. And every year I stepped up there, I was ashamed. And what made matters worse is, you know, people give advice, praise God. When you can't have a kid, people give the worst advice. I promise you, some people told me to eat strawberries. I don't know what strawberries were going to do for my life, but apparently that was going to help me have a child. Every year, here we are embarrassed, and I'll never forget, I preached a sermon on the faithfulness of God. And I looked in the back, and my wife was just bawling. Because here I am talking about how God is faithful, and she's got a baby. And they have a child. And now they have a child. And I'm the pastor, and I'm dedicating these kids to the Lord. And I would always reference this text, talking about how good God is, and we're going to dedicate our children to the Lord. All the while, my wife is sitting in the back saying, why not me? And what we learned during that season was God was not trying to embarrass me. 
God was not attempting to make me look like a fool. God wanted me to identify who I was and where I was in that moment. And in that, we become, we have emotional agility when we pour out our hearts, when we get honest and real before God. We've talked about having victorious surrender and bringing your gifts before God and bowing the knee. And as we start talking about pouring out our hearts, this is an essential area of coming to God with honesty, coming to God and being real in our hearts. Psalm 142 reads this way. I I cry out aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for many. I pour out before the Lord him my, look at what it says, my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. I tell him exactly what I'm frustrated about, what has been working on me. Then he says in Psalm 142.5, how does the psalmist get to that place. In Psalm 142, how does he get there? In Psalm 142, it says, I cry to the Lord, I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. So part of the reason why the psalmist feels so comfortable making God this place where he can pour out his heart is the way that he sees God and the way that he sees his relationship. So in Psalm 142, there are two things to notice. He says, the first thing, he says, I cry. He said, I pour out my heart. And then he says, you are my refuge and my portion. Now, what's interesting is when we sing songs in worship, there's a lot of times we don't know what the words mean. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're saying, you're like, you're my refuge, Jesus. You don't know what a refuge is, but you're just like, it sounds right. You're like, you're my portion. Like, you know, portion control. You know, you're just like, these... I know it's right. I know what it means in my heart, but you don't know what it means. All right, so I'm going to explain it so you know you can have informed worship. All right, you are my refuge, all right? You are my refuge. The imagery of a refuge was really parts of the way that the Levitical priesthood was set up was that there would be certain sanctuary cities, or they would call them cities of refuge, And these were places, there were six cities of refuge set up. And you see it in the book of Leviticus and the book of Numbers. And these six cities of refuge were set up so that if you were a man who killed another man, you could run to this city of refuge and the folks there in that city would protect you. The other thing is that if you were a slave running from your master, You could run to this city of refuge and they would not allow your master to take you. So a city of refuge was this place that you could hide. (laughs) So when we sing songs like you're my safe place or you're my refuge or you're my hiding place, it's not talking about some kind of peekaboo. It's saying there's someone coming after me and I can run to this space of refuge, and you will protect me, and they will not come after me. And when you talk about God being a refuge today, it means you should feel incredibly safe before him. Yeah. 
one of the great dangers, one of the great dangers we live in is that we are growing as a culture at becoming more relationally passive than ever before. And it is because we have a tough time feeling safe around people. And we have, we have created a pattern of performance before people. Now, some of us don't perform. Some of us are just raw and real, and we, we tell you what you think and all that stuff. But some of us have created this pattern of performance. And, and if we're honest, you don't have any safe friendships. There's no one you can feel honest with. But unfortunately, that's, that, that also flows into your relationship with God. That you don't feel safe in front of him. And so one of the images that the text tells us is that as you are proclaiming to God, you are telling yourself, you are my refuge. You're not like the other people. You are not like my past. You are someone I can run and literally I can hide in your presence. The righteous run to him, not run away. And so this imagery of being a refuge, but then he says something else. He says, not only are you my refuge, but you are my portion. Now, I've always sung this, you know, um, do you remember that song in Sister Act? It's actually a really old song. <laughs> that song in Sister Act, you, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? His Eyes on the Sparrow, yeah. You've sung that, right? Yeah, I'm not gonna sing it, praise God. <laughs> but, but, but he says, you know, um, well, I think I wrote it down, praise God, thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving me that, that knowledge to write it down. <laughs> but he says, um, when Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he's watching me. And I know you've sung that with tears in your eyes. He's my portion. You know what portion meant, right? When it's talking about Jesus being a portion, or even here, he's my portion, it's essentially talking about an allotment. And in many times they would use this phrasing when they were talking about um, portioning out land to people or portioning it out an inheritance from a family. And so here, um, part of what the Levitical priesthood would have to deal with is that all the tribes had different land that they got allotted to them. <laughs> but in the book of Numbers, Numbers 18 to be specific, in Numbers 18, God told the priests, you will not have an allotted land. You don't have a portion like the other tribes. Your portion will be the temple. And what he was essentially saying there is, while everyone else has land, I will be your portion. While everyone else has all these inheritances, I'll be your inheritance. While everyone is getting what they have dreamed of, I'll be what you dream of. I'll be your portion. And in this text, there are two sides to it then. On one side, he's saying the reason I pour my heart out to you, God, is because you are the one I feel safest around. But the other reason why I pour my heart out to you is because you are the one I want. You are the one I'm waiting for. And you are the only one I want. And so there we have this feeling of safety and consistency 
that God will always be there with us and for us, that he is our portion. Now, here we have this dilemma because in order for us to begin to have this lifestyle of pouring out our heart to God, we've got to have a prayer life. Some consistency where you start praying to our God. I know people are in a dangerous place when someone says to me, Pastor, I pray. I'm like, thank you. I'm I'm glad to know that. And they say, I pray every night. And I'm like, that's good. Praying every night is good. But God is not like an appointment that you put him at the end of the day. God is a relationship. So, I, I mean, it's great that you pray every night. Keep doing that. Don't, don't, but God is not waiting for tonight. God wants us all day. He wants all of our life. And so to, to quarantine God to a segmentation of the day is kind of odd when you're in a relationship, when he's available throughout the day. What I believe you must begin, and, and we're going to talk about this at the end of uh, today, but we are going to do a 35-day devotional 35-day devotional beginning in January. We already have one of the devotionals set up on the, or several of the devotionals set up on our website right now. And we are going to encourage you, because this is the one thing I've really been, I've, you know, I've been at this church, well, I started the church, but I've been here several (laughs) years. I've been here several years, and I, I promise you, I don't presume an experienced Christian is a mature believer right? And part of being mature is having a prayer life. And I don't presume because you come here every Sunday you pray. I also don't presume you read your Bible. And so I'm, and I'm saying this not to shame you. I'm saying I'm in counseling sessions with some of you and I'm like, you're doing some of the same things you did in 2016. You have no word life. You have no prayer life. And so you're getting the same, you are not filtering your trials through the word of God. You're not filtering your life through prayer. And I tell people, you have a devotional every day, it's just not always with Jesus. Okay, so what I'm telling you is, so my, so my encouragement, my encouragement, my encouragement to you is, you're mad, because you poured your heart out to her and she talked about you. You're mad because you poured your heart out to him and he ain't around no more. And you are trying to give people a job description that only God can fill and you're mad and you're putting expectation on people that they cannot perform. And what I'm telling you is you will be in the same place in 2018 you stop waiting. I, I'm, listen, I'm all about breakthroughs and miracles. Praise God. I'm all about this being a new season, about some, God doing something new. I know. But let's talk about the old stuff God does. The old stuff God does is he tells you to get your Bible out, get before him, put aside 15 minutes and talk to him every day. That's the old stuff. And stop waiting on new things. Experience good old 
Jesus. The old rugged cross. Experience that every day. I am telling you, I cannot tell you enough. That's why, and it'll be a shame. It'll be a shame. You know, we, we do city groups. We create these devotionals. We do all this stuff. We try to do men's time. We try to do women's time. We put all these things together, and then people come and say, no one knows me. That's your fault. We've created too many spaces. We've created too many spaces. And, and, God, and you're like, I don't know God. He's got a word. He's got a word. And you know what? He has a word for you every day. Every day, God has a word for you. Now, on day one, it may feel crazy. You open up your Bible and your thoughts are running all over the place. And you, you, the last thing you think about is Jesus. Your brain's going crazy. But you, you stay there. Day one, day two, you read, you pray. And, and, and James chapter four, verse eight, I stake my life on that promise. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. I stake my life in that promise. I, I guarantee, I guarantee, I can't guarantee what 2018 will be like, but I guarantee you this. If you make it your aim in 2018 to draw near to God, you will see transformation like you cannot imagine. But if you set your eyes on things, things will hurt you and they will disappoint you. That was all for free. That wasn't even supposed to be part of the message. <laughs> Psalm 42, Psalm 42 Psalm 42, here's, here's what David is saying. David, at this point, is running from his own son. His own son is trying, you talk about family issues? His own son's trying to kill him. So, so notice all the drama and trauma happening in the scriptures. You think you have issues. Read the Bible. My tears, my tears have been my food day and night. Look at the imagery there. While all day long, people say to me, this is what's happening, where's your God? Huh? They, 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 they are questioning their faith because they don't see results. You have any friends like that? They question your faith because they don't see the results? Why are you still praying? You're single. Why? I mean... Why, you, don't you think the club can help more than Jesus? Come out tonight. Not that clubs are evil, praise God. Where is your God? I remember this, listen, as I pour out my heart. He says, how I walked with many, leading the festive processions to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. What, one of the things that happens while he is pouring out his heart to God and as he's dealing with the trauma of his family issues, 
he starts to remember as he's pouring out his heart. Notice this imagery of pouring out. Not only are there issues, he starts. Many of us, we have, we have to start with the pain and the anguish and the resentment. We have to talk about how our tears have been our food and how we're not seeing things go the way we thought. But then he starts to move and he starts remembering the goodness of God in his own life. And he says, I remember how I walked with many leading the festive procession to the house of God. He's talking about a festival in which he was the lead worshiper. I remember when I had joy. I remember the days when I was singing. I remember the days when I was trusting God for incredible things. And so what he is doing, church, hear me now. He is pouring out his heart to God. He is becoming more agile emotionally, and he is doing this by being honest about what is not happening, and he's also being honest about what God has already done. You are in a dangerous space when you have spiritual amnesia and you forget all that God has done in the past and you only focus on what he's not doing right now. And he says, I remember, I remember, this is not the only season of my life. This is not the only thing that's happened to me. God has done stuff in my life and he's been good to me. And so you notice he's conjuring up his soul. He's starting to preach to himself. And so then he goes on to say, and the rest, why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in so much turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. Now, I'm in a different moment right now. There's a lot of preaching in there that we can do. But what I want to just encourage you in this what we've talked about is how God wants us to be honest, how God wants us to be real and to emotionally just get naked before him and stop performing. But what he moves to and what we see in Psalm 42 is this man starts to preach to his own soul. The reason why we had these folks come up here, while some of them were talking about how sin some of them were talking about how trials, some of them were talking about how loneliness started to define them this year. And then they started talking about the goodness of God. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he loves it when you erect a pity party and you just start to, to saunter around again and again and again and only meditate on what you don't have. And you do not remember when God was good. And so I, I am I'm just, I'm telling you as a friend, as your pastor, I'm telling you what I do. When I get sad and when I am hurt, I am hurt. I don't, I'm not, I'm not like, I shouldn't be sad. I'm sad. I am straight up sad. And I have friends that are like, brother, don't be sad. Can I be sad? Can I just, can I be sad though? I'm sad. So let me be. 
I'm gonna come out. I'm gonna come around. Set, catch me on Thursday. I'm gonna be all right. But right now, I'm sad, and I'm gonna, and I'll probably be that way for several days. But I refuse to stay there. Look, why are my why soul? Why am I dejected? And I'm beginning to counsel myself. Stop waiting on the therapist. I know we live in a therapy culture where we have to see therapy. And I know you're going to wait on the pastor and he's going to disappoint you possibly in some way. But I'm telling you, he who is um, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And the spirit of the living God lives inside of you. And God wants to counsel you today. He wants to counsel you. I'm not saying don't see counselors, and I'm certainly not saying don't see pastors, but you need an ever-ready, present help. You need a Monday through Sunday help. You need someone available to you. Isn't it frustrating when people aren't available and you need them? And so he begins to counsel himself, and he begins to remember what God has done. And how good, good God has been. And so you know what he tells himself? I'm going to remember back to the time when I was leading the processional, when I was worshiping God, when I was leading people in God. And at the end, he says, and I'm going to praise him. And I just, I, look, we're ending this series. And I, I am in no way trying to manipulate you to do anything. You don't have to do any kind of physical gymnastics when you worship we're not that church. We're not going to have you hang on the chandeliers. Nothing like that. But I just want to encourage you. Jesse, she's great. Mark is great. Our worship leaders are great. All our singers are great. But part of being a mature Christian is coming to the house of God ready to worship. You see, I have had a tough week this week. And I don't feel like singing about Jesus. I mean, I'm telling you, that's where I am right now. So when I came in here, it wasn't like I was like, yo, bet, this is like, I cannot wait. I was like, I'm dragging my feet. I'm tired. But I know how good God has been. And the purpose of these songs is to remind you of God's goodness. So do you hear the determination? I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise God with everything inside of me. God has been too good to me. And if I do not remember his goodness, I will always just wade in my depravity. So I'm going to remember your goodness. I'm going to meditate on how good you've been. And I'm going to come into this place and I'm going to worship my God. And, I, and I'm telling you, a spiritual discipline is to come to God with praise through pain. through pain. And so you see the psalmist. He comes and, he, and at the very end, he says, put your hope in God. And that's the word I have for you to end 2017, to go into 2018. Put your hope in God. Transfer your hope from whatever it was temporarily and put your hope in God. All of it. And, it is, and, it, and the hope that we have in man is indicated through our emotions. The fear, the anxiety, the, the anger, the jealousy, all those things, they indicate the idols of our heart. And so we look at those as indications and we come running back to God with praise. Now, as we end our, uh, this series, uh, I want to encourage you. 
the word of God is available to you. As we said, we have a devotional. We have a 35-day devotion. We did that 35 days and not the entire month because we realize there's days where, you know, you just may miss. So you have the weekend to catch up, praise the Lord, right? So, but you've got five, there's basically five devotionals for each week of January. We encourage you to start off January 1, start off January 1 with the word of God, with a devotional before God. Rasul Berry, our, our pastor, uh, he has put them together. Rasul is a, just a dynamic, not only teacher, he's a dynamic writer. And uh, I'm looking forward to the, the devotionals. I'm going to be doing the devotionals, not just like checking out what he wrote. I'm doing it to grow as a Christian. And so I'm encouraging you guys, start out. And some of you, we're at, we have people at different places. Some of you are real mature and you're like, oh man, let me check this out. But some of you, you don't have a devotional life. So this is meant to give you a devotional life. The last thing, um, I, I want to I end our time by just, I want to speak certain verses over your life because I believe that where we are, wherever you are, there's a word for it. Wherever you're at today, God has a word for it. God has something to say about the season of life you're in. And I, I want God to just speak over your life. I really encourage you to even begin to consider meditating and memorizing the word of God. But I'm going to just say certain verses. And I don't know what verse may be for you, but there are certain verses. And I pray that as these verses come to mind, I pray you'd write them down. And you begin to pour out your heart to God and tell him how, how much you're in need of a word from him, how much you're in need of what this verse is indicating. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. <laughs> the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. You don't have to fight for your reputation. You don't have to go to war with people. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. You just need to be still before. His presence, his presence is enough. The Lord will fight your battles. He'll fight for you. Isaiah 40, he gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. You need strength today. Some, you are exhausted. And you are, in many ways, on your last leg and you feel worn out. And God it's not just someone to be experienced or encountered. God wants to give you the boldness, the courage. He wants you to step out in 2018. He wants you to be more empowered by the way of his Holy Spirit. God wants to give you strength. And he wants to renew your strength and build up your faith. Isaiah 54. 
No weapon forged or formed against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. If God is for us, who can be against us? There is no enemy. There is no person. There is no trial. There is nothing that can come against me that is too big for God. He is my vindication. He is my strength. He is the one that fights my battles. I do not need to fear. I do not need to be afraid. I just rest in him. Isaiah 43. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do, not do, you, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is a God of miracles. And we, listen, some of you have put God in a box and you think <laughs> the reason why you don't look to God for answers is because you already have one and apparently you like yours better than his. And so God can make a way and do things. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God is looking to do something new. Let's pray these words over you. You need, you need these words on your lips and in your heart and in your mind because many of us, some of you heard me say, man, you need to start off and start with your pain. You're like, and you can do that. You start with your anguish and resentment, but you can't move to a place of praise because you don't know him and his word. Yeah. Isaiah 43. Psalm 138, 18. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. God will work all things together for those who love him and called according to his purpose. I am not being overlooked. God is not looking at others and does not care about me. He will fulfill the purposes in my life. And I trust him. Deuteronomy 31. It is the Lord your God who goes with you, for he will not leave you or forsake you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He will not leave us nor forsake us. Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins. He has forgiven you for all your sin. And he heals all your diseases. And we want to trust him this year for all of our ailments, both physical and emotional. And who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. These are just 
words. These are just words. When we meditate on the word of God, they work their way down to our heart and we begin to trust him. Would you stand with me? Gracious God, we ask you, would you root us in the very word of God? God, I I pray against the influence of friendships, the influence of social media, the influence of our anxiety that trumps your word in our life. And I pray, God, that in 2018, we would make one desire our greatest desire. One thing I desire, and that one thing that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Whether I am at the place of anxiety, or whether I am leading the processional with joy, Let me live my life before you. Teach me to share my inner landscape with you. Teach me whether I have bitterness, anxiety, frustration, or joy. Teach me to be real with you in 2018 because I want to give you all the glory, God. And in the end, God, you deserve all the praise. May the word of God define us in 2018. May we speak the word of God over our lives. May we preach the word of God over our lives. May it anchor us, God. May it anchor us, Jesus, in your most holy name. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. We'd love to hear how God used this sermon to speak to you. Please take a minute to email us your story. Our email address is info at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at BridgeChurchNYC or visit our website, BridgeChurchNYC.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.